0: And that is a, as a basketball goal that I tried to attach to my truck. So I have a truck, but it's a small truck. That's a 10-foot basketball goal. Uh, and so yesterday morning, one of my kids, you know, because he was pretending to be Shaquille O'Neal or something, he broke the rim off of our basketball goal at home. Uh, and it's, I guess it had just rusted out. I mean, they, they just beat that thing up. So it had, its, it said I'm finished and the basketball goal died. And then my wife went on Facebook marketplace to look for a new one and she found one, but it was like 45 minutes away. Uh, but they were offering it for free and it was a new, I mean, a good basketball goal, not new, but in fine condition. Uh, so I thought, all right, here I go. I'm going to, will it fit? I have no idea. I don't know. I'm going to drive down there and try to figure it out. So uh, I drove down to this person's house, and uh, we spent a good 30 minutes tying things down and trying to take things apart. And then I, I drove on 267, and then I drove on 495 North like that. All right? And I made it home. I made it home. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's one of my greatest accomplishments in life, to be honest. I felt very proud of myself. Uh, and uh, this is this was what I thought was a really good picture of fatherhood, you know? It's like, hey, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but we just got to figure it out, right? This is fatherhood. I just got to figure it out. Uh, and many of you are carrying, and what fatherhood really is in so many ways is a blessing, but you're also carrying these burdens that you don't know quite how they fit or what to do with them. Uh, and the nature of fatherhood Every day is you got to figure out how to carry these kids or carry these situations or carry the burdens of the home or the family or whatever uh, on your shoulders. And you got to learn how to do that and just find a way. That's the nature of it. And I know that for many of us is a great challenge. It's a great encouragement. It's obviously a great blessing uh, to give our lives to something that matters, but it's also incredibly difficult. And this is not only true for fathers, so this is a message today for everybody, because I want to help you carry the burdens of your life, I want to help you manage those things in your life well, I want to help fathers do that, but I also want to help all of us do that the best that we can, uh, and the answer is not that you would try harder or do better, but as we talked about last week, that you would live more full of the Holy Spirit. This is the key to your life. And so last week we talked about how you're supposed to seize the day, as Ephesians 5 says, to make the best use of the time. And it explains how do we make the best use of our time? By being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so we looked at three ways the Bible presents to us as to how you fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. And I think this concept is so important. As we talked about last week, this is the key to life. I mean, the, the greatest piece of fatherhood advice I could ever give you that you need every day is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know what else to tell you to navigate all the circumstances and the different things you're going to experience and the ups and downs of your own emotions and the things you cannot control that happen in the lives of your children and in your family and at work. I don't know what else to tell you. There's no book you can read other than the Bible and to be filled with the Holy Spirit that would give you what you need to navigate every circumstance of your day. And not only is that true for fathers, but it's true for all of us. The greatest piece of life advice, as we talked about last week, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this concept is so important. What I wanted to do today was flip it and talk about how to not be filled with the Holy Spirit. What are the things that get in the way of that? What are the things that, that get in the way of us walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? And that's what we're going to look at. To remind you of the quote that kind of dictated our time last week from the Enduring Word Commentary it says, much of the weakness, defeat, and lethargy in our spiritual life can be attributed to the fact that we are not constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, today, I'm going to call this spiritual jet lag, all right, to give you an idea of maybe some of the reasons you're feeling the way that you're feeling in life, especially in D.C., and the solution to that. Jet lag is this. It's where technology and speed outpace the body's biological capacity to keep up, all right? All right. Your body wasn't be able to made to get to China in 16 hours, you know? It wasn't made for that, right? So when you show up there, your body is just, you know, it doesn't know what to do. The biological capacity of your body simply cannot keep up with the technology and speed in which we live. That's jet lag. And you experience this actually spiritually as well. Where the pace of the life around you, where the way that things happen around you, you do not have the internal capacity to keep up with the pace of life and the burdens of life and the problems of life and the troubles of life and just the speed of life all around you. You don't have the internal capacity to do that. It's going to create spiritual jet lag. And so in the same way that you may feel a little off or super tired when you fly even to California or something, and you're just off by three or four hours, kids experience this the most, you know, they're just all, they don't know what to do. Uh, But this is true of you though in your spiritual life when you think about the jet lag or the lethargy or the fuzziness or the lack of zeal or even just the spiritual tiredness that you may be experiencing. It's the same reality but spiritually because the pace of your life, the problems of your life, the difficulties around you are too much and you do not have the eternal capacity to keep up except by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, when you limit the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you have to outsource temporary fixes. So, like you would drink a Red Bull to overcome your tiredness for five hours, you know, or a five hour energy drink or whatever. I don't like energy drinks, so I don't know. I would just drink coffee, lots of iced coffee. i would just chug that. That's my solution. Uh, this is how you treat maybe going to church or going to a retreat or some spiritual activity because the pace of your life isn't good and you, the, the, what you need every day isn't being provided for you. So, you need some sort of hit, quick hit, to help you manage your life and your day. And instead of being dependent on the Red Bulls of of Christian life, I want you to realize today that a regular daily dose of the Holy Spirit will be sufficient for your life. And this is true for all of us as well. Those of you who are even outside of Christ, who may be here exploring, maybe you're here because it's Father's Day and your kids convinced you to come or your wife convinced you to come or I don't know what the situation is uh, because it's a holiday and people go to church on holidays. I don't know. So maybe you're here and you don't even know Christ. You're exploring these things. I want to give you some lenses by which to view your life. That some of the lethargy or lack of zeal or inability to to sustain certain things or fuzziness and lack of clarity or what we're calling spiritual jet lag also applies to you. And the solution for you today is going to be to understand the gospel, Jesus' love for you, that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the grave so that then when you believe in him, he could deposit the Holy Spirit inside of your heart and your life and things would begin to change. And that's what God is going to offer you this morning. So go ahead and open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go. Let's hear from the Lord. We're just going to review the passage from last week as a launching pad, and then we're going to go over a few passages the Scriptures will teach us about the Holy Spirit. So Ephesians 5, 15 through 21, our passage for the last two weeks as we work through Ephesians, says, look carefully then how you walk, Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, and here's the phrase, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we'll stop there again. I just want to remind you once again of some important theological things that we nailed in last week to help guide our time this week. The first is that, remember, as Ephesians 1 teaches us, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit upon salvation, and that can never change, and it can never be taken away. But Ephesians 5 teaches us that you can be more or less filled by the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. So believe in Christ, sealed, done but walking with Christ more or less filled by the Holy Spirit. And that will determine your experience of your life. The, the more or less you are full of the Holy Spirit will absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, be the determining factor in the experience of your life with Jesus. It is the determining factor. And you could direct all of most of the issues to a lack of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so it's quite a wonderful thing to actually solve a lot of things in one particular place. And so the Bible taught us three ways to do that, which is to sing, to say thanks and to submit. And so I just want to remind you of those things as we sing, as we live a life of thanksgiving, as we submit to others and lay our lives down, our preferences for other people. These are ways by which we can actively be filled with the Holy Spirit. And those are things we ought to pursue. That's last week's message, so please jump on that if you haven't heard it yet. And now are three ways that you are going to not be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give you the opposite idea, and this is probably more like a, like a time at the doctor's office to help discern some of the symptoms of your life. You say, I've been feeling this, I've been feeling that, this has been happening. And I think this, the Bible is going to give you some reasons as to why those things might be true about your life. Three ways that you can uh, not be filled with the Holy Spirit are to quench the Spirit, grieve the Spirit, or neglect the Spirit. So we'll walk through those one by one, but if you want to write them down already, it's to quench, to grieve, or to neglect the Holy Spirit. So the example we gave last week, and I want to just remind you of this week, is that remember we talked about how complaining is draining, right? And how even when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, there are things you can do, right? If I took a pencil and just popped the bottom of this water bottle or a knife or whatever, the water would start coming out. And there are activities that you can do that negate what the Spirit has done. And that, let's say you come to church, remember the example, and you sing and you give thanks and you're surrounded by the people of God. You're encouraged in the word of God and your cup is full, so to speak. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. But then you walk out of here, you know, and you immediately complain about something, you know, about work, about family, about something in your life. And the complaining actually begins to drain out the very thing the Holy Spirit was working in you before. And this is why you can be more or less filled by the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And as we walk through these three things about, about how to not be filled with the Holy Spirit, these are basically three ways that you're, you're cutting holes in the bottom of your soul and you're letting what the Spirit has given you pour out. So that's the mental aspect I want you to have of this is that the Holy Spirit's pouring into you and that if you do these three things, you're gonna poke holes in the bottom of your soul and what the Holy Spirit gave you will be released out of you. And remember, this is about your experience. So the Holy Spirit has sealed you. He will never leave you. That's because of Christ and nothing you have done. But your experience of the Holy Spirit can certainly be more or less on a daily basis. And you can poke holes in the bottom of your soul that release what the Holy Spirit has deposited in you that you needed for that day. And I want to help you avoid that. And you're going to see this, especially even my fathers out there and the friends, out there, uh, who, who do this to say a lot of the struggles we may be facing fatherhood are because we've been doing this and we don't have what we need to manage all the things that come with being a father. So, and I don't think my dad, I wanted to shout out my dad. I don't think he's in here right now. So I think he's coming to the eleven just in case he misses shout out to my dad I love you you're the best shout out to my father-in-law also you're awesome Uh, I have been very blessed uh, with some great father examples in my life and so I want to make sure that gets said if you're watching online and if you're here at the 11 dad I'll see you there okay all right so the three things the first is to do not quench the spirit right this is the first way you poke a hole in the bottom of your soul oh that rhymes I didn't mean to do that Don't poke a hole in the bottom of your soul. Okay, maybe you'll remember that. All right, do not quench the Spirit. That's the biblical phrase. The way I'm explaining it is the parentheses, okay, which is less important than the biblical phrase, but I'm just trying to explain it to you, is to despise what the Holy Spirit does. So when the Bible talks about quenching the Holy Spirit, a way for you to think about it is to despise what he does. Is to be cynical About what the Holy Spirit does. It's to not appreciate what the Holy Spirit does. It's to despise it. So the the text for this is 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. Verse 16: Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. What a great little phrase for us to live. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you: do not quench the Spirit. What does that mean? This is verse 20. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So part of the way you quench the Holy Spirit, as verse 20 says, is you despise prophecies. Or as as you would see in the context of the church and the passage, is that you automatically assume that it's not true, you automatically assume the Spirit's not working, you are constantly cynical about what people are saying the Spirit is doing in their life, and you quench the Holy Spirit, as opposed to, verse 21, it doesn't say, just believe everything you hear, but it says, test it all, and hold fast to what is good. So a person who, negle- or who quenches the Holy Spirit is dismissive, to what the Holy Spirit does or is doing in people's lives is always cynical about things they hear about the Holy Spirit or things the Holy Spirit might be doing in someone's life. You know, the word to quench is to extinguish. You know, you quench, you put out a fire, you put water on it. Uh, that's what it means just to extinguish, to put out. And so when you, when you quench the Holy Spirit, you're taking a cup of water and you're dousing it on the fire the Holy Spirit's burning. So it's for someone, you know, to walk out of here and be so full of confidence in the Holy Spirit, and they're feeling sure he's going to be with them, and the first thing you say is, well, it might not go the way you think it'll go. Okay, thanks a lot, Eeyore. Like, this is great. (laughs) What are you doing? Like, well, it might, you know, you never know what the Lord might do. Okay, is that true? Sure, it's true. But hey, come on now. Let somebody believe for a second. We gotta have some faith. Uh, I would call this uh, the people who quench the Holy Spirit, they operate in some kind of wet blanket Christianity. They're the wet blanket people. And they're just always walking around, okay? They are the Eeyores, okay? If Winnie the Pooh is City Light Church, then there's Eeyores, you know? Or the, or just the church in general, okay? You have Winnie the Pooh, you have the show, and then you have Eeyore walking around, always, you know? Nothing's ever good, everything's always going to go bad, right? And some of you have called that, I'm just being realistic. Yeah, you're being worldly realistic. Sure, the world stinks. But that's not what the Bible says was true about you. You're not being heavenly realistic. You're not being kingdom realistic. Sure, you're being worldly realistic. It's a very sad place to live. But you need to be kingdom realistic. A wet blanket Christianity someone who is always quenching or putting out or telling people to calm down or not be that excited about this or that, or always giving caveats. It's the caveat people. You know, Jesus said, if you have faith, you can move mountains. And then you list 10 caveats as to why that might not be true. <laughs> 10, ca- you know, 12 caveats. Oh, well, sometimes it doesn't, or this doesn't, or it doesn't you might not. I just, I just, I you know. And you're you're so scared to believe because it might not match your experience that you choose to be cynical. As opposed to, you know what the Bible calls this, you should walk by faith, not by sight. So to walk by faith is to trust the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, to believe the promises of the Bible, even when they do not match your earthly experience. And if you are simply being realistic, you are doing the opposite of what the Bible says, and you are walking by sight, not by faith. Now, fathers, being an Eeyore in your home will absolutely kill your family. I know life can be hard, I know things can be difficult. I know that you bear certain burdens that nobody else bears. The Bible tells us as fathers and husbands that we're supposed to lay down our life, literally, Ephesians 5, for our wives and then for our children, those around us. The call of your life is to sacrifice, to never live for yourself at any point in the day. And yeah, that certainly gets hard. You're the guy who has to figure things out. Some of you even are doing this alone, which I can't even imagine would be infinitely difficult. But being an Eeyore or constantly focusing on how bad things are will not provoke faith in your children. And it certainly won't encourage your wife. Okay? I want to remind you, as you consider how to live this out and believe God for things, that the basic of our faith is some supernatural thing where the Son of God becomes a man who goes to a cross and dies on the cross for our sins. And then on the third day is raised from the dead. And then he says, if you will simply believe in me, not work for me, not serve, no, 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 not do better, be a good Christian. No, if you will believe in me, he says, you will receive eternal life. And then he says, I will give you my Holy Spirit so God, who came and became a man, dies on a cross for us, even though we don't deserve it, is raised from the dead on the third day, and then to those who believe in him, he deposits God inside of you, so the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. And then, you know what Jesus said, John thirteen fourteen. greater works will you do than I ever did. And I'm not going to get into explaining all that, but what he means was, you're going to take what I've done, the cross and the resurrection, and you're going to apply it to people's lives. People are going to get saved and lives are going to be transformed. Greater works will you do. This is the baseline of your faith. This isn't isn't extra. This is to be a Christian, you must believe that Jesus, the son of God, who is truly God, becomes a man, a real man, and he dies on the cross for our sins. And somehow all the wrath of God for everything bad that you've ever done gets applied to someone else supernaturally. He takes it in your place and he doesn't stay dead like every other religious leader on the face of the planet for all of history but he's the one person who gets up from the grave three days later, and then he sends the Holy Spirit who descends with tongues of fire upon the disciples and then proceeds to fill people with the Holy Spirit to give them a supernatural ability to live the lives he has called them to live. And then he takes you all the way through and he brings you to heaven where you will experience peace and joy and bliss forever and nothing will ever go wrong again. That's the baseline of your faith. So don't tell me God can't do so. That's the baseline. You can't even be a Christian if you don't believe those things. And so you're going to walk into your home and not believe for your children. You're not gonna believe the best for what God can do in your life. You're not gonna believe God for what he's working even through the problems and difficulties of your life. You're not gonna trust God when he says all things work together for good. Yes, even this thing. Yes, even the thing that you don't like. Yes, even the thing that you hate. You're gonna choose to not believe God for that when you believe that Jesus became a man, died and rose again, has given you the Holy Spirit and will bring you to heaven one day. Come on now. One of the greatest, I think, issues in the church is that we quench the Holy Spirit by being cynical, by not believing, by always living with doubts and caveats instead of walking by faith, not by sight. I say this all the time, I think, to you guys, but especially to people like our interns, is that feelings are bad leaders. They're bad leaders. You should be led by faith, not feelings. And some of you are letting your feelings lead you into places of discouragement, into places that overwhelm you, into places of stress and anxiety. And that's exactly where your feelings will always lead you. Feelings are bad leaders. You should not follow your feelings, but you should follow faith, which is to walk by faith, not by sight. Something for you to write down is that when we quench the spirit, we are cynical about his work, but we release the spirit when we are centered on his word. So the best way to not quench the spirit, look at this, hold fast to what is good. Oh, how do I know what is good? That's the people around me? No, read the Bible. The Bible will tell you what is good and not good. God will tell you what is good and not good. And so you test it according to the word. Now here's also, I think, a challenge for some of you. As I was thinking through what this is practically like, and I think the reality for many of us is that it's easier and it takes less effort to put out the fire than to build a safe place for the fire to grow. It's much easier to walk by a fire and just throw water on it. Take you two seconds. It's a lot more difficult to find some good stones and clear out some nice area or to build a fireplace or to build a place that is conducive for fire to exist and not get out of hand. And so it's a lot easier for you just to not believe, to doubt, to say things that are discouraging, as opposed to reading the scriptures, studying them well, thinking through these things well, and building things in your house and building you know rhythms of life in your life and in your church and in your family and in your home that give the Holy Spirit place to burn according to the guidelines of scripture. That takes a lot of effort. And some of you are just being lazy. I'm myself included. I'm not saying just you, all of us. And God is calling us to put in the work, to know the word of God, to build good places where the fire can burn, as opposed to just walking by and putting it out because that takes less effort. Another quick word to this, I think this is the most important one. We'll go through the other two fast. A practical way that I think we quench the Holy Spirit is to simply not be encouraging enough when people are talking about what God is doing in their life. For someone to give testimony to what God has done or to simply tell you something passing that is encouraging or to have your kid say anything caring at all about the scriptures and to not respond with such enthusiasm is we quench the Holy Spirit when we act like it's just super normal or when we don't uh, appreciate or encourage the evident grace in someone's life. And when someone's willing to talk to us about those things and we don't, you know, give them the biggest high five and the biggest hug, the biggest form of encouragement, say, I'm so awesome, it's so great to see what God is doing in your life. I think we quench the Holy Spirit practically a lot in our life when someone is willing to share about what God is doing, and we don't really give it our full attention and focus, and we don't encourage it as we should. So a way to battle against this is instead of being quick to extinguish, be quick to encourage. So you just want to think about instincts, your biblical instincts is when you want to extinguish something, be quick to encourage and let that be your instinct and then test things, everything according to the word. But your instinct as a Christian should never be extinguish, extinguish, extinguish. It should always be encourage, encourage, encourage. And let me test this according to the word of God. So that's do not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't be a Christian Eeyore, all right? Put your blanket in the dryer, dry it out, Stop walking around putting a wet blanket on everyone else's faith. Alright? Okay. Number two, do not grieve the spirit. We uh we did this because we've been walking through Ephesians, so I'm gonna keep this one real short. There's a whole sermon about some of this a couple of weeks ago. But this is another biblical category for how you poke a hole in the bottom of your soul. Do not grieve the spirit. Uh a simple way to say this, to to translate it is to live in sin. So The context of this passage is in the context of all this behavior stuff. Let me give you the example. Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. Remember that word? For the day of redemption. That is done. Verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. So the simple obvious thing here is if you look in the context of the Bible is that Galatians 5 tells us that the Holy Spirit wants to bring us to the fullness of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Okay? These are the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit, one of His primary jobs is to deposit those things into your life and to fill you to capacity that you would be more full. Your experience of peace would be fuller. Your experience of joy would be fuller. Your experience of love would be fuller. And, but how in the world is he going to do those things, right? The Holy Spirit deposits joy into your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And then you let bitterness stay and you feel bitter and angry. And instead of forgiving, you hold on to it and you just poke a hole in the bottom of your soul and all the joy the Holy Spirit deposited into you for today gets released. You know what cannot coexist is the fruits of the Spirit along with bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander. They just cannot coexist. All right? They cannot. So you're either going to be fuller and one's going to be like dominating the other, like I'm going to be filling up with one thing while the other leaves or I'm going to be filling up with the bad thing and I make the other thing leave. Either I can't have both. So if you let anger, um, what's the word? Like stay, or you let it grow, then the work of the Holy Spirit, another word is quenched, right? You're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. You're going to quench his work. You're going to neglect what he's offered you. And you're going to release it out of your life. That's the most practical way I can think about this for you is that the Holy Spirit like, pours you know, joy, love, and peace into your heart, the kind that you need even for today to handle the circumstances of your day. But then you choose to yell and get angry and you choose to be malicious and slander and, and you choose to operate in those ways and everything the Holy Spirit has given you to experience his presence just gets released. And now you become a person operating in anger and slander and malice. And like I said, this is part of the spiritual jet lag of your life. Remember, you do not have the capacity to do what is required of you and to manage the life around you. You don't, right? I mean, this is to all my friends out there who aren't Christians and you're seeking these things out. I mean, this is one of the biggest signs and symptoms of the fact that you don't have Jesus is that you do not have the internal capacity to manage life And therefore, you substitute that with coping mechanisms. And even Christians, we all do this too, but we have some sort of foundation that allows us to to try not to do that and to turn from that slowly. You substitute that with coping mechanisms that provide temporary relief but actually turn out to provide long-term damage. Or you substitute it with worldly things like trying to be successful or even trying to be a good father or trying to do good things you substitute it with that, and then you're crushed by the burden of your own expectations. Because you know, you know who you can't lie to really? All? Yourself, you know? Like, you may be able to lie to yourself, but internally, your soul knows, no, 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 cannot keep up, cannot keep up. And so you go to outside advice to try to, try to get help from the world, and it doesn't work. Being rich, successful, famous, being good, none of these things help Uh, And then you turn inside and you're, you're crushed by the reality of being confronted with yourself that, yeah, you don't, you don't have what it takes, you know, and this should push you to the fact that since these things aren't working, maybe there is an alternative solution, which the Bible presents to you as being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like you, it's like, let me give you, it's like you're putting an Iron Man suit on or something. What's the most practical way I say? It? You transform, you know, it's like the good Hulk. Okay. Or whatever, you know, like, When you become something you don't have the the internal capacity to become that you cannot produce on your own, that you cannot will into existence, that you cannot read about, that you cannot just happen and the world can't give you. It's a supernatural capacity imparted to you by God himself through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ by the means of the Holy Spirit. And this is the only solution for the spiritual or life jet lag that you face. And you can spend the rest of your life trying to cope and manage or you can finally turn to Jesus away from your sins and begin to learn what he meant in John 10, 10 where he says, I have come to give you life and to give it, who knows the rest of it? What? More abundantly. He's not a liar. He didn't say, I've come to give you life and give it in part. That's what your coping mechanisms do. That's what the drink does what the relationships do that's what the money's doing and it fools you for a little bit but you know well enough as well as I do that it's not the answer and so my plea for those of you who are here maybe visiting or outside of Christ is that you would receive what Jesus has done for you and that you would receive the Holy Spirit through faith in Christ so do not grieve the Holy Spirit by actively living in sin if the Holy Spirit is the gift that the Father gives you by trusting in Jesus who died for your sin, then it certainly is the opposite of that story to go then proceed to intentionally live in sin. So no Christians are perfect. Just like I told Jeremiah and Cassidy, they're a great example, but we're not telling them they're they're perfect. Nobody expects anybody to be perfect. We all have sins. And even as Christians, we struggle, okay? Every Christian in here has dealt with bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, right? These are things that we must kill and die to. So, we're certainly not perfect, and we don't expect to not sin. But you ought to expect to sin less and to make progress. And it certainly ought to provide great trouble to your conscience to actively live in sin without repentance. So, those are the categories we think through. You ought not to live bitter. Should you fight bitterness? We struggle with bitterness. We sometimes succumb to bitterness? Yes. Should you live and be described as a bitter person? No. No, 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 no. So that's the difference. Don't live in sin. Of course you will sin. You need to repent from your sin. You need to confess your sin. You need to move away from your sin. But somebody who grieves the Holy Spirit is someone who's actively, unrepentantly, constantly living in sin without any effort or desire to turn from that. This is very destructive. Galatians 5 gives you a great example of this. You can either walk in the flesh or walk in the spirit, but you can't do both. Okay, that's you. You're either walking in the flesh today or walking in the spirit today, but you can't. There's no straddling the fence on this. Okay, the third thing and final thing is do not neglect the gift of the spirit. So do not quench the spirit, which is to despise what he does. Do not grieve the spirit, which is to live in sin. And finally, do not neglect the gift of the spirit. I like a way to say this is to do not waste your potential. When you neglect the gift of the spirit, you are wasting the potential God has deposited in you. So 1 Timothy 1, 14, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by a prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so all may see your progress. Now 2 Timothy 1 gives us even a more thorough explanation of this verse. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, For this reason, this is the same story, same thing happening, talking to the same person. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but power, love, and self control. So you have these, this gift that has been given to you. I mean, this is the story of the Bible when Jesus is teaching us to pray in Luke 11. And he gives the example if your if your fathers who are evil know how to give good gifts to their children how much more so will the heavenly father it says give the holy spirit to those who ask him the father has deposited the holy spirit into your life and he's also by means of the holy spirit giving you gifts and things to do and use. You have a supernatural capacity to make a difference in the world in a unique way that no one else has, that only you can live out. It's part of what makes you distinct. It's part of God's blessing on your life. It's part of the way God wants to use your life. And he says, hey, Timothy, don't neglect the gift that you've been given, verse 15, but practice. 2 Timothy, don't let this die out, but fan it into flame. So how do I neglect the gift of the spirit? The the easiest example I could give you is is this is like a, a talented athlete who doesn't put in the work and doesn't reach their potential. So they have a gift and the gift is obvious and it's there, but because they're not putting in, verse 15, the practice, because as verse 15 says, they're not immersed in it, because as 2 Timothy 1 says, they're not fanning it into flame, They are not reaching the potential that God has given them. And therefore now they are not utilized to the same degree and are not enjoying the purpose of God in their life. So when you neglect the gift that God has given you and the calling or the anointing on your life that God has given you for what he's asked you to do, that he has empowered you and given you a gift or gifts to utilize in his kingdom, This is very important, which is why we help you discern those things in basic training and why you should be involved in things like lighthouses so that people around you can affirm, hey, this is what God is doing in your life. This is the grace of God in your life. And that way you can know and understand, okay, this is my, uh, this is the way I add value to the kingdom of God. You can't know that just by sitting in a room. Okay, you need to find other Christians. You need to help. You need help on that. But when you neglect the gift of the spirit in you by not putting in the practice... And by not fanning it into flame, it's like a fire. It's like, imagine like your life are coals that are hot, but they're going to die out unless you have a stoker and you come by, you know, the fire is almost going to die. But you come by and you whoo, whoo, whoo. you read the Bible, whoo, whoo, whoo. you pray, whoo, whoo, whoo. you know, you go to service, whoo. you're actively involved in serving your community. Every time you're being obedient to the word of God, you're taking the stoker, you know, which is the Holy Spirit, and you're blowing the wind of the Holy Spirit on your life and what was once hot coals turns into a small fire and what is once a small fire turns into a bigger fire and what once was that turns into a bonfire and this is the way you level up so to speak in the kingdom of God is that you can bless more people than you are blessing now. You can be used more than you are actively being used now. Your life can make a bigger difference than it can now. Not by you reading more books or getting smarter or trying harder or gaining more skills but by you completely giving yourself over to being filled by the Holy Spirit. And God will make the best use of your life. How many of you are living so burdened that you would make the best use of your life as opposed to giving your life over to God, practicing the things he has given you like scripture reading and prayer and letting God be the one who makes the best use of your life. God wants you to maximize your potential more than anyone else does. And God will also do it for you if you would join him in what he has asked you to do. You have a great purpose to live out. Your life should be a great adventure in the kingdom of God. It certainly has highs and lows, but the Lord wants you to live the potential that he has placed in you. And so you gotta put in the practice and fan into flame the gift of God that is in you to give you a final analogy to help you understand the whole reality of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The phrase I would use like this is that active faith gets active power. You know, when you see an abandoned house on the side of the road, and if you walked into that house and flipped on the light switch, okay, the odds are pretty good, especially if it's been abandoned for a long time that the lights won't come on. Now, is the reason that the lights won't come on that the lines don't go to the house anymore? No, probably not. Is the reason that the lights don't come on that the avenues for receiving the light are not working anymore? No, probably not. The reason that the lights don't come on anymore is that the lights haven't been being used and no one's paying the bill. And so the source doesn't send the power to the house anymore because it's not being used. And this is how it works with the Holy Spirit to say that source of the Holy Spirit and the power from on high is available to us, but it'll stop being sent if it stops being used. And some of you metaphorically, your soul is like an abandoned house. And that's the reason why you're so empty, troubled, discontent, and struggling. And if you would simply turn once again towards the electric power company, and some of you need to let Jesus Christ pay your debt of your sin to open the floodgates for you to receive the power from the Holy Spirit, if you would once again go to the source, the lines are still there, and everything will work, and the light of your house will begin to turn on if you simply turn turn to God through faith in Jesus Christ and once again rely and ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. Your life does not have to look like an abandoned house. It doesn't have to be dark and empty and gloomy, but it can be full of life and it can be a place where you can bless others if you would simply turn to God. Stop poking holes in the bottom of your soul and let the Holy Spirit fill you up. Let's pray and let's respond to the Lord now. We'll have the band come up. And as always, we're gonna have a prayer team down front. One of the most important ways that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and mark some moments in your life is to get prayer. And so I highly encourage that for you today, even if you're not sure, just get up and get prayer and let the Lord work in your life. If you need to put your faith in Christ, please come up. We would love to help you understand that. Let me pray and let's respond to God. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Lord, for your kindness to us. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to not poke those holes in the bottom of our soul, but that we would just be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that that's what you want for us. Thank you, Lord, that that's what you died to give us. And I pray, Lord, as a church, that we would maximize every bit of that and that we would live full of the Holy Spirit, and that our lives would begin to change day by day, not because of us or how great we are or how hard we're trying, but simply because we're relying on you and turning our eyes towards you. And so we love you. Thank you for the gospel. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Why don't you stand? Let's respond to the Lord.